Welcome to the Rhode Island Liberty Report, your source for libertarian commentary on current events in the Ocean State and Southern New England. Coming to you from Rothbard Studios. Welcome back, and here we are with another episode of the Rhode Island Liberty Report. I'm Mike, and here with me are my co-hosts, Sean and Bill, and we have a special guest, the meme master himself, uh, John. How's, How's it going, John? How you doing, Mike? Good. Good. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great to have you on the show. Pretty good. You know, I'm coming off quite the Liberty High myself, and then a few days later, um, everything seemed to kind of go to shit. Yeah, I don't know, right? <laughs> I know. It's Rhode Island. Actually, it's <laughs> yeah. countrywide right? I know. at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spreads but quickly. We had a bit of a break there, right? Yeah. And just we apologize to the listeners out there. Just obviously life gets <laughs> gets away from you. And and uh, Sean took a trip down to, uh, down to D.C. to spend some time with some... Uh, Liberty Legends, I guess would we, we would call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that because I think it'll be a good segue into uh, some of the things. You know, so I'm, I'm um, some of the things that I've been involved in. I, I was recently selected as a Ron Paul Institute scholar, so I was able to. I was flown to D.C. and uh, attended two days of Liberty events. Uh, one of the sessions is all about foreign policy, uh, which had a lot of cool people there. Uh, Representative Thomas Massey, if you guys follow him online, Jacob Hornberger uh, from Future. Freedom Foundation was a great talk. And then the Ron Paul conference, uh, coincidentally titled The War on Us, right? And uh, it's about, you know, the, the government tyranny and the the abuse of powers during this time, which might be a little bit of foreshadowing. We've got some special topics today. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah right. But, you know, less than a week after, right, this event, it seems everything that they were warning about kind of moved in and and, and here and here we are now, right? So, uh, but before we get into it, because we've got a lot of things to talk about today, I did want to remind everybody uh, about the debt, right? It's, it's still there. Um, and I do want to uh, tailor the topic a little bit more towards COVID spending. I, I think it's uh, very uh, situational for now, um, but I didn't want to leave the listeners hanging in. Right, because uh, they might have thought, "Hey, maybe the debt's going down. The uh, our legislation's becoming more frugal with their spending." Uh, regretfully, um, our state debt has grown to eleven billion seven hundred ninety-five million dollars. Our annual spending is at thirteen billion eight hundred eighty million dollars, uh, and our revenue theft, right, is uh, $10,685,000,000. So that is leaving us with a deficit of $3.2 billion. Uh, if you go to the state's uh, COVID-19 transparency portal, take a look at that one. Uh, it's worth a Google because it's it's not that transparent. Uh, it, you know, But it's supposed to show the, the tracking of federal funds that are used in Rhode Island to combat COVID-19. And specifically, most of the funds were generated from the CARES Act. Uh, and that spending happened between March 2020 and December 2020, right? Um, so the state was given $1.25 billion up front and then, uh, from, uh, and that's all federal dollars. And then already because of our policies, we've actually exceeded that amount. We're at $1.7 billion. So that just wasn't enough. Unbelievable. So if you if you kind of recall from the, the the budget review that we did on a previous episode, they didn't cut any funds. They added more than the governor had asked for. Uh, however, uh, Supreme Leader Biden has been distributing even more funds. Uh, last month, McKee actually just issued a report to the to the U.S. Treasurer uh, on how he intends to spend an additional one point one three billion dollars uh, that's allocated to Rhode Island from the American Rescue Act, uh, which they haven't come up with a plan yet. They said sometime in the fall they're going to submit something. And uh, the, the funds are earmarked for the State Fiscal Recovery Fund, right? It, which is funny to me because most of the funding Rhode Island used for the response came from federal funds to begin with. Uh, it, it, it really, you know, all these funds together, I think it's over $3 billion that we're planning for right now. And it's a really, really expensive two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. And the state's still going to tax your PPP funds, right? You know, like that's like the, uh, it's like unbelievable how they just, even with all this money flowing in there, they're, they're still going and grabbing as much as they possibly can. Right. Yeah. It, it, and what I want to kind of segue into now is, you know, wh- what has this, you know, money we've spent and the money that's coming up, this $3 billion here in Rhode Island, you know, what it has it gotten us here, right? You know, everyone keeps telling us, that you know the COVID is getting worse now more than ever with the Delta variant and there's all these other ones in, in the queue coming here. It all must be because of the unvaccinated people, right? Right. 
Yeah, that's well, it's all their fault. Well, the Civic Center to get a new HVAC system. That's a plus, I guess. <laughs> um, so did a couple of uh, old Walmarts and you know stuff like that that they did for those uh, triage centers that they then shut down without actually treating any COVID patients or anything like that. So yeah. we, we get something out of it, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, but just to kind of go off and uh, let's talk about, you know, the, the elephant in the room, right? Or the donkey or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, so Biden uh, came out with a couple executive orders, right? Um, and I, I think this is the first step towards um, really the erosion of freedoms. And, you know, liberty's been kind of been trickling down um, every so often. Uh, through the whole, what, this 18 months now. And then all of a sudden, I think it finally came to um, a, a really, really bad moment here that um, people really need to to, to stop and, and, and listen and, and figure out what their next steps are, right? You know, uh, it, for those that haven't heard, uh, most people probably have, but there was an executive order that, that pretty much passed a, a wide range of vaccine mandates. Right? Yeah. And I, I think we should kind of just start the conversation there um, because as we know in Rhode Island, a lot of the federal stuff trickles down pretty, pretty well uh, in, into the state. So uh, I'll pass the torch over to, to so someone here. It's something that Joe Biden said he wasn't going to do back in December uh, when he was on still on the campaign trail who's not going to force uh, vaccines. It shouldn't be something that should be forced on people. Uh, obviously, whether or not they possibly can do it is a different story about whether or not they morally should do it or whether or not it's actually legal to do it. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the situation we have here in Rhode Island with McKee, for example, where he's just going and uh, exceeding his executive authority and waiting for somebody to try to stop them, uh, stop him from doing what he's doing. And and nobody to this point has stepped up either on the state level uh, for some of the stuff that McKee has been uh, passing lately or uh, to Joe Biden for these, you know, these, these mandates that are just completely overreaching and, you know, by violating the, the, the most important uh, rights that we as libertarians are concerned about, and that's property rights and our personal property, our most important piece of property, I guess, as you can say, is our, our individual self. So Yeah, the concept of self-ownership, right? Like you own your own body and yeah. And it's uh, my body, my choice, right? Well, that's, right. Well, there's, some there's, some, there's a bunch of irony there, right? <laughs> like that's, that's just, uh, I, you know, a I, whole. I, I think, cookout this weekend had somebody like oh that's not the same thing oh the 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 the, some a woman's choice uh to have an abortion is only affecting her and i go well it's affecting the fetus pretty bad too i i don't know what your situation with that is but um but no but they they can't see the irony or the parallel or the hypocrisy or the they can't they can hold those two ideas in their head at the same time yeah it's just unbelievable unprincipled yeah it's crazy i i um I, I'm, I'm just curious how it's going to affect Rhode Island, Rhode Island businesses uh, in in particular, and what the response within the state is going to be to that. Um, I, I think you know, just in conversations behind the scenes, we've talked, and I'm, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, it wasn't you, Sean, but said you're going to just if you find out of a business that's, you know, that's firing employees because of this and just boycott that business. Right. And I think that's a great idea. I think, I think that's the kind of things that need to start happening. Like those businesses need to start being called out for what they're, what they're doing and they're, they're, you know, mass civil disobedience. Yeah. I mean, I think it's gotten to that point now when you just got to like the, the complaining about it and the trying to call your Congress, you know, critter and all this other stuff is, is I think that's, starting to reach its end yeah. and, and, you know, John's here with us and John's actually, you know, taking that courage a step to say, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is basically. And, and be like, look, you you know, I'm not going, I'm not going to play this game anymore. So John, if, if you want to talk about, you had some situations with the school department um, in the town you live in and you, you decided to go forward with, with um, your idea or whatever you want to call that. If you want to, Talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, so for the uh, the K through twelve mask mandate, um, I was pretty vocal about that, um, opposing that, uh, and I submitted a religious slash moral exemption for my children, uh, which is legal under Rhode Island and federal law. Um, so I asserted that right and was promptly um, responded to with a denial. Yeah. Uh, not not actually even a denial. It was a, a denial of the existence of a religious exemption. <laughs> 
they didn't deny the, you know, the exemption itself. They just said, well, we spoke to council. This was the superintendent. We spoke to council and they said there's no such thing as a religious exemption for, for that, um, even though it's being used at URI right now by checking a box. Right. So um, obviously it's, it's something that's legitimate. Um, so when they, when they sent me that denial, um, next step was to assert, assert the right to bring my kids to school and, and have them receive an education. Right. Um, yeah, I showed up at the school, the, the, you know, the first day, uh, expecting pushback, mm-hmm. um, documented it, you know, on video and basically informed the superintendent that, uh, that he was violating the law. Um, you know, McKee's, uh, state of emergency, this time around, or this is the only one he's declared, but he kind of, you know, inherited genus. Um, his state of emergency this time around is clearly not legitimate. Um, if we're to, to take checks and balances at face value, um, that doesn't e- even pass the spirit of the, of the thing test mm-hmm. as opposed to the, you know, the, the word of the thing. Well, then, so, didn't the, uh, executive order end on September 1st within the general assembly, take that power away from, yes, they from, did. So yeah. it's as part of the budget, they actually voted to revoke his emergency authority as of September 1st. Um, and then he just turned around and, and redeclared a state of emergency based on the Delta variant. Yeah. Now that effectively removes the check on the governor's office because so, the general assembly is not in session to meet, to even over turn his decision because we are a part-time legislature. So, so any, any mandate that, that comes from that is illegitimate. Um, the spirit of that, in my opinion, is the general assembly wanted to restrict the governor's power because there was a feeling that he overstepped or not even McKee was uh, Gina Raimondo overstepped her authority, uh, during the, the COVID pandemic. And they wanted to effectively end that and restore some checks and balances to the system. So McKee, in, in my opinion, overturning that spirit of what they're trying to do and trying to overstep that is just spitting in the eye of uh, the legislature, the legislature. And it's, it's, un, uh, it's, it's being a tyrant. It's well, being a dictator. If the executive was overstepping their power, the, the legislation could call a special session, right? To, to handle business. Well, the, see, well, that would take some political courage to, <laughs> well, not only that, but there's also a couple other things that they, they're trying to pussyfoot around with with the uh with the with the budget and cannabis legalization and a bunch of other things that they don't want to necessarily call into session because then there's going to be the interest that be or they're going to be pushing that agenda through besides you know checking the governor's authority so and then it all comes down to as we know the the speaker of the house who controls uh the main body and, and whether or not they're going to to call the session and that was the excuse most of the uh, different committees used was that they weren't coming into session because the speaker hadn't called them into session. And it's like, right. we don't, you don't need the speaker to call you into session. You just need to have a majority of the committee to have that meeting. So again, it's an oversight committee, something like that. They could come, but getting a group of people to have that political will is, is unlikely. Yeah. So, so John, I, I kind of two things I, I see in your kind of strategy there. One is um, using you know, taking the, the order at face value that it, I don't want to say that it's legit, but it is what it is. So you try to use the religious exemption to, to, um, get your kids, you know, into school. And and then he denied that as well. Right. So not only is the one, the, the order is obviously crap, right? right? You know, but then you, you know, okay, let me try to work with that. And I'm going to use the, the, the exemption. And then they still denied you there as well. So they just kind of like, Two punched you, basically. Right. Well, and trying to. And the way the law is written, it's, you know, they should extend you a reasonable accommodation. They Mm -hmm. don't have to give you a perfect accommodation. It doesn't have to necessarily be, well, you sent us this exemption and now you just have, you know, you know, uh, regular access or what, you know, even though you should, you know, uh, according to the law, it's reasonable accommodation. They made no attempt at even an unreasonable accommodation. Well, they, they spent the last year and a half doing remote learning. They don't have any reasonable accommodation for students who don't want to wear masks to even not like be in the school, but to remote learn and to go online or anything like that. They have something different than they had last year for that. Um, it's they call it virtual learning, mm-hmm. whereas basically it's for students that are being quarantined. Um, for every reason under the sun, which has been happening. And it's basically checking your Google classroom. You don't have a a teacher teaching the kids. It's just, but even that would be somewhat of an accommodation. And and I'll say, uh, you know, on my own personal experience with the, with the school, right. So my daughter, um, she went in for her second 
day of school and she was she was pretty nervous and uh you know like she would in elementary school she w- uh, went to the nurse because she was feeling nervous she had a tummy ache and uh when she said that to her it automatically triggered whatever checklist that the mm-hmm. cdc has flown to them so uh, they barred my child from school uh for two full days and you know, the second and third days of school until we were able to pr- provide a pcr test uh the only thing i really gotten from the school after that is we'll we'll came back negative right so she was just fine when i went to go pick it up she was fine um and then you know with the negative tests all the district told me was okay well we'll use better judgment next time well now we know for this specific child if she has a tummy ache that maybe we shouldn't flag the covid protocol but that's that's not the right answer that's right that's not the right that's judgment like i mean who's judgment it's it's just the nurse decides that i mean again this is this is the ridiculousness of this whole entire protocol or anything like that it's it, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, if you look at the CDC, they're also failing the, the the staff there if they're supposed to be following this because the CDC checklist, it's a flow chart. It says it in the school policy they have to follow. Step one is student walks in with symptom, right? And step two is check symptom. If symptoms on this list, kick them out. Yeah. Right. And and it's anything. All of us have a symptom of COVID right now. Yeah. It's from headache to tiredness. You you say the one buzzword and my daughter tried to take it back right away and say, no, 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 no. I'm, I want to stay in school. I'm fine. She's like, no, I'm sorry. You already uh, said it. You said it. We're starting the process, Damn. which is scarter now yeah. a little bit, you know. And I, and I think of it the other way around too. Like when I was a kid, I was like holding the thermometer up against the light bulb, trying <laughs> yeah, to stay exactly. out of school. Oh, like yeah. I mean, I would be like, "Oh man, I I'm, think I got COVID." Like get me out of school. Yeah. Right, well, see you later. I'm taking full advantage of this if, I'm, if this is you know, yeah, twenty years ago. Oh, exactly. Uh, oh, do, I fight. Guys, do not listen to this one with the kids in the <laughs> yeah, car. No kids in the car, right? Exactly. Oh, we should have. We should have prefaced that <laughs> to give them ideas. Well, can you but, and can you think of a more common? symptom for a kid to have on one of the first days of school every kid's nervous a stomach ache yeah i mean i remember having a stomach ache going to middle school for the first yeah. time yeah no it's it, yeah it's especially brand new year brand new classroom brand new teacher you're nervous socially all that kind of stuff but i, I do i find it interesting like this year the scent like the um criteria is one symptom right? i think last year was at least two yeah right like so it's not even you know, now it's just once. And like you said, a headache. How often do you wake up with a headache? You know, it's just... Uh, I mean, they're going to be staring at screens all the time because they're well, going to be doing yeah. these hybrid learning things that they still are, like, you know, implementing. Like, God, I mean, everything is going to Just to touch on that virtual learning, right? So she didn't have anything loaded for her, right? Mm-hmm. So they said, oh, we're, we're going to take care of it. We got a plan. And then there's nothing. So there's no the, plan. the backup or whatever they say the contingency is, they're, they're not ready to execute. They on. can't even find enough teachers. Like, Providence School System is, like, running out of teachers. They're literally hiring people off the street and not even like doing background checks. And, you know, like, and begging uh, retired teachers yeah. to come back. And and all that. Yeah. Like, like literally you could call up tomorrow and be like, Hey, I want to substitute. They'd be like, Hey, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think people are starting to get tired of certain things? Well, I, I, I gotta be careful here because I don't want to expose too much, but um, I've heard through the grapevine from educators about like how many teachers are just getting, sick and tired of it. Now there's a lot of teachers, you know, that profession obviously is kind of leans a certain way, but there are a lot of teachers that are just, you know, tired of this and they're, and they're seeing how much damage it's doing to the children, not only psychologically and developmentally, right? Like, um, um, the lower grades kid coming in kids that didn't go to preschool last year because preschools were shut down and they're, they're coming into kindergarten and they're just this huge developmental gap. It's the most important time of a kid's yep. education is when they're my, my, my mother was a, a first grade teacher for 26 years in the, uh, the Tiverton school systems. And yeah. That's like the most important time you're learning to read, you're learning to interact, you're learning to, you know, be a little bit more independent and everything like that. And, and if you're getting that taken away from you or you're, it's being stunted. Imagine if you're, uh, some type of, you know, learning disability or a speech impediment or something like that. And you're, you now have a mask over your face and you're not able to take social cues or, 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 or do all those other things. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. So. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like that whole, you're learning to deal with other people and look at their face and engage how they're to respond to them based on, like you said, facial cues and all this other stuff. And you, that's just gone now. Yeah. And you've got these kids, young like at the most formative age that have just completely losing that, you know, and it's, it's, it's a big problem. Well, they'll look back on this and this will be a big, you know, a point in history where they'll yeah. say, this is the generation that suffered the kids that suffered the most from this in the, in the school and everything. And, and what's going to happen histor- like, you know, 20 years from now, 
what's society going to look like at that point? You know, how are people going to be interacting? Um, uh, yeah, I don't I hate to the think un- about it. The, well, the unintended consequences. Again, this is the, this is a microcosm, and it's I, I hate to say microcosm because it's affecting the entire globe. But this is exactly what the government does. It comes in, and I always say, like you know, forced vaccination, like forced mask mandates. Is this the universal health care that we all were promised from the, the the left? That it's not that we're you know single payer. Yeah, that's all great, but we're all just going to get the same treatment no matter what the heck our doctors tell us, or no matter what our personal preference is. Well, and I look mean, what they're already you know. You're already have these people saying that if you're not vaccinated, you shouldn't receive medical care. Yeah. And right. they're not even paying yet. Well, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you're overweight, you shouldn't receive medical care. You yeah. should go get on a, a right. treadmill and, and like, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, what the hell is something, are you, are, is there, and, and this is the other thing about, and you know, before uh, Biden's mandates for uh, employers with over a hundred people, it was uh, the governor's mandates for uh, medical employees. And it, it's the same thing. Like I, I always say like, you're more, li- more likely to catch COVID from your, uh, sweet mate at the hospital who isn't vaccinated. And like, again, are we, is that the next step where, all right, we'll get the medical personnel vaccinated and then it'll be a prerequisite for you to get entrance to the hospital that you're vaccinated as well. And we're not that far off. And that's, and this is the way that they start doing it is they start demonizing you. They start treating you and comparing you to animals. And, and then they start, you know, saying you shouldn't be receiving medical care. And, and, you know, I hate to say you, you asked the question if people are changing their attitudes for it. I hate like we're getting this not because like there is being forced on us by some, it is being forced on us by an authoritarian, like dictator, you know, the governor, the president, but they're not really, forcing it on it. People are asking for it. There's a subset of people who are just dying for these mandates. And it's, it's like, you got to watch out for those people. They're, they're, they're coming for you. These are also the same people that are pretending there's a choice because Biden has placed intermediaries between you and, and him. So he's making your company force you to get vaccinated or you lose everything. That's not a choice. Well, I've I've actually got a quote from Biden here from his uh, speech on, I think it was Thursday. You know, he said, this is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. So life is inherently risky. Everything you do, you walk out the door, you could get struck by lightning, hit by a bus, you get in your car, you can die from anything. And, you know, people, let's talk about like, I mean, like illegal, illegal aliens without driver's license operating motor vehicles on the highway. Like, are those people to be treated the same and with the same vitriol as unvaccinated people? Like, and like to say that they shouldn't retreat like medical care and all this other stuff like that. I mean, these are the, 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 you start applying these to different, uh, you know, it's like there's, there's, it's qualifying. It, 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 it makes sense that you can connect the dots and it's, but people say I shouldn't be inconvenienced in my life because what you're doing and your choices are affecting me. Right. And so I don't want to have to go out and wear a mask and get vaccinated, which they are doing anyway. And you're out there spreading variants. And, and, and really what it's boiling down to is they don't want to be inconvenienced. And the problem is, is that you're just not dying quick enough from COVID for their liking so that you could just be out of their, their hair and they could just have a, a fully utopian vaccinated community. It, it gives them a, an opportunity to ins- assert control on other people, which is, you know, what they want anyway. But going back to the point you made earlier about the whole idea of, you know, um, triaging people who are vaccinated versus unvaccinated that are in the hospital, you know, back when we were having the single payer debate in during the Obama administration, they were, Oh, that will never happen. <laughs> but look, you, you're doing it right now. You just showed your hand. You're it's obvious that you're going you, you want it to happen. I actually um, saw Canadians using that as an excuse for their strict measures. What, if you get sick, you're a burden on the state because we have to pay for your health care. Right. Yeah. So it's exactly what will happen here. It's happening here without that component. Exactly. It's for the greater yeah. good. And, yeah. you know, you look at you look at Biden's speech. I mean, that's that speech. He used it to to announce his his actions, his his orders. But I think more than that, it was telling the way he spoke about the unvaccinated, almost like we're a pariah. Mm. Um, yep. which, which is just disgusting because now you ran on unity and now you're, you're essentially giving permission to, you know, maybe half the country or more to just look down their noses at other people. And, and yeah. you're telling them as the president officially that they're a threat. And it actually makes me think of something that I read in an article 
earlier that I just wanted to read and just yeah. tell me that this doesn't seem eerily similar to the situation that we're in now. It says during the years of the Nazi regime, German doctors frequently argued that Jews spread disease, reflecting common themes in Nazi propaganda. These medical professionals repeatedly pushed the false claim that Jews were especially responsible for outbreaks of typhus, a deadly contagious disease to spread by lice. So can I read you a Biden quote <laughs> right after that? The bottom line, we're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. We're going to reduce the spread of COVID-19 by increasing the share of the workforce that is vaccinated in businesses all across America. And then he goes into actually going towards the physicians. He sends a message just to physicians, pediatricians. Uh, you are the most trusted medical voice to your patients. You may be the one who can get someone to change their mind about being vaccinated. Tonight, I'm asking each of you to reach out to your unvaccinated patients over the next two weeks specifically and make an appeal to them to go get the shot. America needs your personal involvement in this critical effort. And and, and, and he goes on and he keeps, it's, it's funny you, you kind of read that off because I get the same kind of vibes from that speech. It's just, yeah, it's the it's same wild. speech. I mean, he's using those same elements in his speech. Yeah. Using the same tactics. It's not, you know, when, when you make the Nazi comparison, people automatically like, oh, that's not, not hyperbolic, blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah. and, and it's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be a comparison to the genocide. No. There was year one, which is what I just read. Right. Year one was make Jews a disease. Yeah. And that's what they're doing with the unvaccinated. So we're in year one. That That doesn't mean this is going to lead to genocide, but let's. Let's hold on here and take a look at the similarities. It matters. They said never again after the Holocaust. When they said never again, they meant recognize what happened here and call it out when it happens so that it never happens again. I don't think the people that suffered under that under that regime in, in the 40s would be offended right. that we noticed what's going on before it got as bad as it got for them. Yeah, I agree. I you know, it's just classic, like that whole propaganda thing, dehumanize and de, you know, um, delegitimize your, your enemy, so to speak. So it makes it easier for you to go against them. Right. Like, and we saw this about, um, early in the, in the, um, pandemic with, uh, I think it was Eldors is saying to call, you know, to, to yell at people on the street that aren't wearing masks and like call them out and that yep. whole, like, so, you know, the, the, the side that the COVID cult is, is saying, oh, you're just being, like I said, hyperbolic. That's just, that's just being over the top. But yet look, you're, you're proving the point by doing things like that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the, the whole, like we just said, the triaging of the, the patients. So how else are we supposed to take this? Right. Well, they, they also, they also said we were ridiculous one year ago for saying that there would be a federal vaccine mandate. Right. You're right. And here we are. And here you are. Well, hold on. Yeah. It just started with, you know, it's just two weeks to flatten the curve. Then it was, well, you know, it's just a mask. Just wear it. <laughs> Grandma will die. Then, you know, it's kind of turned into, it's just a jab. My God, how, how stupid are you people? It, it's science. Just get it. Then it's starting to turn into, and we've already seen this part happen, right? You know, it's just an app to track you and your social media <laughs> for everyone's safety. And then it's going to be followed by, you know, it's just a social credit system that will control every aspect of your life. So it it's literally has evolved. I did not think it would happen this quickly, but I think that they've hit a point and they're trying to use that because they're, they're losing momentum, yeah. I think. And something like this is easy to push it through. Well, that's the biggest thing that I think people don't appreciate. It's not like a minority of people they're dealing with here. There's like some something like 70 million people that are unvaccinated in America. Then think of all the people who were pressured to get vaccinated from their work or they're in the military and people had no that choice. People that won't get the third third shot. Yeah, but I, I'm just saying like, and, and then you think, how many people do they say voted for Biden? 80 million people? Like, like so you're taking a entire political class of people and using it to eliminate or pariah or, or demonize in another pe group of people in a way that's never been done before. And, and, and this greatest propaganda campaign in the history of America has failed to get close to what their goals were. And it just shows is this is the greatest emperor has no clothes example that you can even imagine is that the government completely like they do with everything tried and failed and still a, almost half like a, a, like the in 
a huge portion of the population is unvaccinated and not willing to do it. And there's nothing that the government can say and do that will actually get them to go ahead and do it without well, forcing so that, them. To- so what, what's going to be their measure? Because they don't want to lose. So what, what comes after that, right? Like, that's what worries me. Now, that's that's what's yeah. yet to so be seen. So now they're taking away people's livelihood, right? Yeah. They're, they're getting, the go, you know, companies to, to fire their employees that aren't, you know. So what are you, what are you saying there? Are you going to take away their life? Are, are they going to be eligible for, you know, um, a government assistance once they get fired? Are you going to say, no, you, 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 now you're, you can't even get you know, unemployment because yeah, they you're, found the one group of people they don't want to give money to. Right. Yeah. Like finally, <laughs> yeah, finally, until they bend to their will. Right. They actually, again, government is forced. Now, right. I, They're gonna I, use I forgot my tinfoil hat, but the, the unemployment benefits are start to run out. They right? just, yeah, they, they did. Yeah. yeah. September 4th. Yeah. Very, very timely. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I never had any thought of that. I, I just wanted to read a quick headline too, because I think this is telling and it kind of goes back to the school thing we were talking about earlier. And I shared this with you guys earlier today. Um, it's on uh, CNBC. Uh, QAnon and anti-vaxxers brainwashed kids stuck at home. Now teachers have to deprogram them. So that says a couple of things, right? One, obviously it's, it's, you know, attacking people that are, uh, you know, uh, against the narrative, but it's also saying that teachers program you anyway, yeah, right? We right. have to reprogram yeah. you because you've been deprogrammed. Now we have to reprogram you. You know, I, I thought that was quite a telling, uh, they weren't supposed to say telling that article. out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. That, that was their inside voice. They've been really bold with that. You know, Biden said something similar in, in his speech the other day. He said, you know, the vast majority of you who have gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. I understand the anxiety about getting a breakthrough case, but as the science makes clear, if you're fully vaccinated, you're highly protected from severe illness. Even if you get COVID-19, you're good to go. So, you know, it's funny because in the beginning of his speech, he's, he's appealing towards it's very dangerous. It's going to mess us up. It's the vaccinated doing it. We're putting people in different camps. So eventually they can tie how you vote to your vaccination status and, and all that. And it's funny. It's, it's, it's the media doing it. It's, it's the president of the United States doing it. And you know what that's leading to? It's, it's these, these types of policies. They're shaming people into getting it. You know, you can't provide for your family unless the government if, if you're jumping through their hoops so eventually you can get your meal ticket right it's i mean it, it's it's really starting to boil down to that bringing and, full circle you can't educate your children you can't send them and do and do that as well too you guys get a tax refund though when you get that right <laughs> you know it's, it's like you get the, the checks in the mail oh yeah I'm not sending my kid to the school no we're, we're good to go I, no I, well, I, i'm not allowed to use the health care i'm going to get that rebate yeah right, right exactly. I, I think the worst part of it is that it's it's based much like that that quote i read from that article you know they they lied and said that the jews were spreading typhus right well they're lying now and saying that the unvaccinated are the reason for the pandemic we know that you can spread the virus if you're vaccinated well, well, I, I, personal story. My daughter, who is vaccinated, she goes, she's in college, she's vaccinated, she got COVID. <laughs> like yep. She's vaccinated. All her friends are vaccinated. And th- they spread it amongst each other. So right there, we know that's a bunch of bullshit, right? right. So it's... And the 99% stat they use is was based on in January or February when most, only 1% of the population was vaccinated. So what they did was they, they took the data then and said, well, 99% of the people in the hospital are, are unvaccinated. Yeah. Well, no kidding. Right. Because only 1% of the population's va- vaccinated. Well, since then you've stopped tracking it yeah. conveniently. Right. So how can you speak to it's a, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated if you chose not to get that information for yourself because you knew that it, it wouldn't be beneficial to your narrative. Yeah. Yeah. They were also call, calling people that weren't like having both shots and like waited the two weeks afterwards. If they got it, they were considered unvaccinated. So like you could have gotten both shots and it could have been like a, a week later. Yeah, exactly. And they would have been like, no, yeah. you weren't vaccinated. Yeah. Well, it, it's also wild because like if you look in other countries like in Israel, right? So they they have a, if, if I recall, a huge amount of people that are vaccinated and they're treating the people that have the two shots like second rate citizens now. Like, oh, you haven't gotten the booster shot. Oh, everyone's dying because of you. So when when, when, when do you when do you draw the line to say, you know, another is enough and I, and I think bill said it perfectly earlier it's it's mass non-compliance i think that is the only way and 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 i think it's really hard for people to do that not everyone can quit their job not anyone right. can can move depending on your skill set your industry right so i i think it, it, it implores people to find a way to to do it right uh, mike brought it up earlier we're saying hey if you know that there's a business that is uh exploiting people and firing their employees over vaccination status 
don't shop there. You know, I, I think there are other ways that we can do that. If you are able to uh, not you know, comply with some of these things and you are in the position to do so, e- even if you can change careers or something like that, I think it's really important to be able to kind of take a look at, at what you can do, what's best for your family first and foremost, but then, you know, really how, how can we try to get out of this? Because especially in a, in a place like Rhode Island, where people are just kind of gonna, we, we saw over the last 18 months, they went with the flow of everything. Well, it's not like part. we're having a labor shortage or anything like that, where we can really afford to be firing people for not being vaccinated. And like, you know, really like this is like, the things that they're concerned maybe about. the problem the government created is going to help us out in the yeah, end. Really, yeah. so something else is telling right and and it, uh, the, the whole healthcare worker thing right that's a big uh, demographic that is being pushed into into this whole situation and uh um they're, they're saying there's this crisis of our healthcare workers yeah. but yet they're still willing to get rid of healthcare workers so is it really a crisis or like or well, what's more important here it, you know? it's it's not just i mean you think about it and it is cuz it, it is the healthcare workers it, but it's also the people that work in the janitorial service the people that work in the food service in these like nursing homes and everything yeah. like that and so just getting those people in and getting employees to come and work is, is difficult for a restaurant and that's busy and you're getting tipped on. I mean, how hard is it going to be to find somebody to go work in a nursing home where there's a bunch of like, you know, elderly people who, you know, are having mashed potatoes and not leaving any tips. I mean, nobody's going to want to work in that job. So, I mean, and then you have the fact that the unintended consequences of uh, those people are uh, getting forced out of their positions. So now they're dipping into the home care workers who go to the homes and do intervention in healthcare prior to having the people that have a problem actually have to go to the hospitals. So absent of those employees now who have now gone and worked for the, the the nursing homes and everything like that, those people are forced to go to the hospital. They're taking ambulance service. They're taking rooms in the hospital. They're they're taking up things that would otherwise be treated and taken care of at the home. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're now having crowded ERs and crowded hospitals right. oh, exactly. because, because people yeah. aren't like the, 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 the system is breaking down because you're excluding a whole segment of the population from working in the industry. And it's just unsustainable. The thing that they're ignoring in all of this too, is how many of these healthcare workers or these people within these positions have, have already had COVID, right? They've yeah. already, and, and the study That's is the most telling part. And the da- exactly. And the, the data is coming out that's saying that a natural COVID, um, you know, non-vaccinated um, person that had gotten COVID, their immune system is actually better than people with the, with the vaccine. It's long lasting. And it's longer lasting. Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Exactly. So it's they're completely ignoring that. So then what is it? It starts to get. okay. what is this really about? Again, it's control. Right. You're going to do what we say when we say it. Well, at one point it was about not overwhelming the hospitals. Remember that? Right. That line. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) three or 14 days to flatten the curve. And then there's like literally people like walking around the hospitals with video cameras and there's nobody there because there's nobody at our hospitals either. The the Civic Center and the the Walgreens or whatever the hell it was or the Walmart that they had converted. Like nobody was there. So the Rhode Island Department of Health was on Twitter last week um, claiming that Rhode Island hospitals are filling, filling up with COVID patients. Well, I had recently looked at the data on the HHS data hub, which is so the their health, own health government. And, well, yeah, the health and human services website actually feeds the Rhode Island hub, the Rhode Island department of health hub. So that's their data and it's, and it's current. Um, so when they actually made that statement, I fact checked them on it and it was at over 6%. Um, just above 6% of hospital capacity in Rhode Island was taken up by COVID, COVID patients. As I look at it right now, it's dropped to 4.95%. Yeah. That's right. so if it's about the hospitals, what are, what are we doing? We're yeah. masking kids because less than 5% of the hospital capacity is taken up by and if you ask most Rhode Islanders the percentage they would tell you 90. Yeah. Yeah. Just based it, on the rhetoric. You, you bring, and we've brought this up in a, a previous podcast. I remember Sean Brent pulled up the data on this and we've we've pub- posted this on our yeah. on our p- Facebook page was the fact that there's been zero deaths of children from uh, from zero from the age zero to 24 in Rhode Island, right? And an interesting thing we shared recently was a a, a uh, an article by uh, Go Local Prov, which you would think is a somewhat independent local news organization. They'd be a little bit more, you know, um, legit to, you know, uh, you know, a little more confident in, in seeing what they had to say. The headline of this, of course, three children with COVID have now died in Rhode Island. State has third highest rate for kids in the U.S. Sounds really bad. So that sounds like That's horrific, terrible. right? Three kids. Well, three kids. Uh, and, and well, somebody crazy, right? The children. Well, First paragraph 
from the agency, from the Department of Health, says COVID-19 was not determined to be the primary cause of death in any of these instances. So they don't died so, with COVID. They, they, right. they didn't. They, didn't. <laughs> they had COVID. So they could have died of cancer for all we know. Like it's, it's, it's like saying that, you know, person dies of hangnail, you know, but <laughs> they had had cancer and, and that's what killed them. It, well, this is, this is the problem we have. The, yeah. the COVID cult reads headlines. They don't look at the HHS data hub to see no. that 6% or 5%, less than 5% of the hospital capacity is even taken up by, by COVID. Yeah. They just scream um, at you to trust the science. It, and the, the, the crazy thing is we've got a year over a year and a half worth of data now. And we know children are at very, very, very low risk. Like I think it's 0.007%. If you look at the hospitalization rate for children, it's been flat the whole time. It, it has a little yeah. bit of you know movement in there because obviously you have kids with comorbid, more comorbidities. And, but that's, that's what's amazing to me. A, a, not even a kid with cancer has died in Rhode right. Island of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, and you would think there would be at least a few because we have hospitals here that treat kids with cancer. Sure. And, yeah. And we ha that hasn't happened. Right. And, and, and the crazy thing is we just talked about it is that, that the natural immunity that is, is the best defense against this. And then you have children who are at the lowest risk of having a, a, a drastic um, reaction to the disease but you're, you want to prevent them from getting sick by wearing the mask and, and right. like, so it, it's just, which now, would actually, again, uh, like John, like you said, there are kids who are at risk. They have comorbidity, you know, they might have health issues. Yeah. Concentrate on those children and protect those children. Which you know, their parents will do. It's right. Their, That's their parents' job. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. How do they protect them every year from the flu? Like, I mean, seriously, like this is the, again, well, we, we, this is the same arguments we, we uh, like you, you have all the time and it's like beating people over the head. And, and this is the thing that I don't think people understand. It's not their convenience if they're worried about every little thing that's possibly going to happen they're the ones that should go live in the woods yes. shut themselves in a cabin and not expose themselves to anybody in the outside world if you want to live in a society you have to accept a certain amount of risk and you have to accept that not everybody's going to be thinking of you and there's something very uh, that we were thinking about and in, in, in discussing this is it's just like everything else if you force someone to do something you take away their moral choice to be able to do that and that's what somebody's actual human Humanity is. That's what makes them a good or a bad person is their willingness to do something. And I, and again, everybody has their own reasons for doing something. This is not saying that somebody is doing something or not doing something and makes them good or bad. But when you take away the choice and you make it mandatory, you take away their ability to make that moral decision. So you might as well, it's like forcing someone to practice a religion. It's not the same thing as actually having them make the choices to help them. And again, it's not to say that everybody's going to make the same choice that agree with you. And that's the beauty of having liberty. That's the beauty of having freedom. And that's the beauty, beauty of being a, a free individual. And I think that's the, the risk that you need to take and that the, these people need to understand that it's that that's the beauty of having that. And that's going out and living in the world is, is, is having that risk and, and taking that and, and enjoying the fruits of it. Well, come on, man. I don't think Joe Biden agrees with you at all. No, I mean, it's not about freedom. Though. He said it's not about freedom or personal choice. No. You know, it's also interesting just to compliment what you said, uh, Joe, Joe Biden retorts, my message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. It just goes to show it was never a choice. It was never they, they didn't they never intended to give us a choice. It was always going to be like, we're going to pretend to give you a choice until we decide that not enough. You're making the right choice. And then we're going to force you to make the choice that we want you to make. Yeah. Are we supposed to care that Joe Biden's patience is wearing thin? No. Well, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of things wearing thin for Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> his mental capacity is yeah, wearing no, thin. His attention span, yeah. his, like, his, his lifespan, yeah. his short-term memory. You know, it, it is kind of crazy, though, where like it, he'll say something like that. And I don't know. I, I, I even think, you know, there have been a lot of people that have supported the vaccines and even the mass whole point. But even just hearing this stuff, some people are taking a step back and like, you know, I can't say this out loud, but. That's fucking crazy. Like you can't, you can't do something like that, you know? And then, you know, how powerful his message is and one, it enables people, enables them to push that policy. But really when you think of the grand scheme of the things, and I'm going to steal a, something I saw from Spike Cohen, uh, who, if, if you guys don't know, uh, he was the libertarian party's vice presidential uh, candidate for the last cycle. And, uh, he, he had said government makes up less than 1% of the population. Even if 5% of us simply refuse to comply, government will be hopelessly outnumbered. If 10% plus refuse, they'll stop even trying to enforce it. 
this is how civil disobedience works. Now, I don't, I'm not advocating for violence or anything. I think you could, you could absolutely do that from a peaceful perspective and trying to implement that. But I, I just think it's really crazy uh, to that point that, you know, he's able to say something like that, enable it and push and then that trickle down. And unfortunately, we're going to see that just carbon copy here in Rhode Island. It's happening. Like, look at all the stadiums. If NFL, this is week one, all the college football that's been playing and the, the propaganda is out there. They're telling people that, you know, you should be wearing masks. There's the mandates in schools and everything like that. So, and people have the free choice and the free will. And when that camera pans over that crowd of those packed stadiums sold to capacity, the preponderance, the vast majority of people do not have masks on. This is something that, again, it's, it's, a fool's errand to try to 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 pass this and to give this any type of legitimacy because it's only a certain group of people who are just scared at home watching CNN and and trying to enforce their will on the rest of the the country. I I do agree with that, but I think this still those things like the executive orders are going to cause a lot of damage, right? Yeah. So they are. you know, one of the ones that Biden put out is all federal employees have to get it. They're they're not letting them test out or anything anymore. So they're 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 pushing them into these situations where they don't want to, or it's it's choosing do do I have a job here? Do I feed my family through here? I've been working here for five, ten, fifteen, twenty years. Do I have to give all that up because I don't agree, or do I just you know take the jab? Right. Or what if you're a business owner that's relying on federal contracts and they're going to cut off your federal contracts if you if you don't have enforces on your employees and stuff like that? Again, there's a, a lot of people that have their whole livelihood entwined in with the federal government. But it goes it's such- deeper than that, too. Right. So even if you if you're a federal contractor, right, if if it, what. Biden's targeting. He's actually doing a couple different things. Uh, one in his other initiatives, he's trying to force private companies to fix supply chain relative to um, you know things, and we've we've seen that in shortages and things like that. We know it's all a bunch of garbage. What he's trying to do there, and, and Gina Raimondo is involved in a lot of that as well. So you know it's yeah. not going to go that well. But you know the, the other thing with that is uh, it's he's very subtle in the different things that uh, they're they're pushing here, right? So it's not just that, you know, a federal contractor like the military industrial complex, anybody that kind of at in some capacity handles federal money. So even if a federal contractor for, for in support of a customer needs to buy a computer from Dell or something like that, that's how this type of mandate from a vaccination perspective is going to trickle down all the way to, you know, a guy that sells screws, Mm -hmm. a guy that sells whatever widget, right? They're going to enforce that on all these downstream components. And and that's how they're trying to force this because people don't want to give up, you know, their money. Right. What I find fascinating about, about that happening about, you know, the, the government using companies as, you know, to using the companies to put pressure on their employees. There's actually a minority of libertarians that believe this is an employer rights issue. Mm. Yeah. And it, I find it absolutely fascinating that they're a pretending to be libertarians yeah. because it, well, they, they, we just saw the, the, the most tyrannical presidential executive order ever come down. Right. And all they're concerned about is well, an employer should be allowed to mandate that. Yeah, but that's not what's happening. No. Yeah. Exactly. There's they're you know, being uh, yes, told they, they have sh- to do it. Right. Yes, yeah. they should. I you know, I I don't I would never personally give my money to that company. Right. But they should be able to do it. They're right. Uh, well, we, we we've used this example or you know, many times the whole bake the cake example, right? Like if, yeah. if there's yeah. a, a bigoted company that doesn't want to serve a certain regardless of what it is, a certain group of people, I'd rather they do it. Cause they're going to hold their belief. They hold those beliefs, whether they they do it or not. Right. Yeah. Yep. I'd rather they do it out in the open. So I know I'm not going to spend my money on that asshole. I'm going to go <laughs> to the guy down the street, you know, and, or the girl, whoever it, it, it's just, uh, but yeah, to, to your What's, point, right. It's, it's, they're forcing these people to do it. And th- here's an interesting thing talking about civil di- disobedience is how many companies are going to say, screw you. I'm not going to do it. You know? In Rhode Island, I yeah. wouldn't assume many, many I mean, at all. Right? We, yeah. You look at the lockdowns. I can think of a couple of companies that disobeyed. But we we applied this principle to other things. We talked about the minimum wage, and we talked about Amazon's and the larger uh, organ, uh, companies that actually push a fifteen dollar minimum wage because they know it it's going to push the smaller brick right. and mortar uh, businesses out of business. This is going to be another situation where they have mass compliance and mass hoops that you have to jump through and regulations and all this other stuff to be COVID compliant. 
And then you're going to see the mom and pop small businesses being put out of business and the large businesses that can afford to have COVID czars and comp compliance officers come in and, and, and talk to them about this is, is, is really, and it's sucking everything out of your economy. You're, you're taking, like, think of how much resource and money and, and the cost of your products, goods and services are being increased because we're having to comply with all of these new COVID standards. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what happened. I mean, we're at the the, the anniversary. We, we didn't mention it at the top of the show. We probably should have. 9-11 and, and the terrible tragedy of everything that happened on that day. And it's 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 exactly the same situation. This is this is the the blowback that you get from uh, from the government intervention from, yeah. Well, I think speaking of compliance, when it comes to the, you know, to Biden's bullshit, um, is it, it only applies to executive branch federal employees mm. and they've also exempted the, the post office, yeah. which is ironic because they go to everybody's house <laughs> five days a week. Well, uh, who's who's going to, who's going to deliver the, uh, the welfare checks and everything like that. Right. If you don't, yeah. they don't have the post <laughs> stimulus check. But yeah. so, so their union was vocally opposed to this. And so they had to get them out of the way because he knew that's a large block of people. That's, that's going to stand up against this. Yeah. It's ironic that, that he looked at that hurdle and decided to get it out of the way while simultaneously essentially galvanizing 80 million people mm. to oppose this. He was better off from a strategy standpoint, keeping it compartmentalized, healthcare workers, you know, then school kids, then, yeah. you know, teachers. Or whatever. Um, yeah. So I think this was a big mistake. It, and it, I think it shows his ego. He right. thinks just the way he talks, he thinks he's a tough guy and he can't even walk up a flight of stairs <laughs> and he's talking and he's, you know, telling 80 million people he's losing his patience with them. Right. I, I, something you had said uh, earlier, Sean, about the uh, federal workers, right? Like federal workers being required to get it. And you're, you're like, well, there's not going to be any more exemptions. and They're going to get fired and all that. My first initial reaction was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Fire, <laughs> fire a bunch of federal workers, Why right? Not, shrink right? it, But they're never going to shrink it, right? Those positions are just going to open up and they're going to fill them with people that are all yeah. on board, right? So it's going to, you might have a small percentage of people behind the, it might the be scenes worse. that are, exactly. Because you're now you're hiring, the not that the government hires necessarily on competence yeah but you're hiring the obedient over the competent yeah. exactly yeah well the it the um they talked about the the fire departments and the emt workers and the fire departments and uh they're required by the state to be vaccinated and now they're not and that goes into nuts and bolts running a city government or a town government if you have a like 25 percent of your fire force uh, not working because they're not vaccinated. What does that do to your minimum staffing mandates and your overtime and the, yeah. and the fire budget? And I mean, ambulance Rhode response time. Rhode Island knows all about how these, you know, West Warwick and uh, you know Coventry and, and East Greenwich recently, Cumberland. Mm -hmm. They they all have the, their their uh, issues with the fire departments around there. And and if you're if you give them a bargaining chip and they're going to be able to use this to to increase their overtime and, and increase their budget, they, this is ripple effect throughout so many different yeah. aspects of our lives because the government is so intertwined with every aspect of our lives. And, and for what, right? What's the level of risk that you're trying to mitigate here, especially now that we're a year and a half in and, you know, the, and the, the charts aren't like they were, you know? No. So now you're, you're, you're putting people at risk from, you know, not getting medical services fast enough, the ambulance not getting to their house fast enough, or the fire department for, for no not, benefit, not getting right for what's the return on exactly. Well, and yeah. when I when the CDC came out and said that the vaccinated spread the virus as easily as the unvaccinated, I thought to myself, well, silver lining there. At least they're not going to try to force it on everybody because they they're not going to be able to say that we have some sort of obligation to others yeah. to protect yeah. them because it doesn't do that. Right. Well, we're suspending that. We're, we're ignoring that fact to mandate it. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can't have that part of the conversation because then they just, they feed you some lies about how, you know, oh, well it's, you know, it, it's, it's a little better. It's, you know, if you're vaccinated, you might not spread it. Whereas if you aren't, you will. That's just not true. That's not a claim the manufacturer has ever made. It's right. not what it's designed to do. Yeah. Sounds good on paper though. Yeah. 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 It's it's wild, and and Mike, I think you're onto something, because I just read that there is a hospital in upstate New York that no longer can deliver babies, 
because of this, the shortages, because they've had employees kind of step away because of the vaccination stuff. So you're now we're looking at the opportunity cost of what these government mandates are doing. So what's the opportunity cost of one hospital not being able to deliver babies when it had an organ? Well, you know, now it's the burden shifts to another healthcare organization, which is already apparently overburdened, no beds anywhere. We're going to deliver a baby, right? You got to, got to make room for the COVID patients. You can't, can't deliver that baby that, that you've been cooking up for nine months, you know? So it's one of those things. That's just one example. And I think in like one month, three months, we're going to see way more little things like that. You know, it's, uh, it's going to take longer to get, get food at a restaurant. We've, we've seen that just for a while now, but I think these things are going to start to get worse and worse and worse, and it's going to hit a tipping point. Well, we, we started talking about, uh, John's experience with the mask mandates. I mean, how soon is it before it's vaccination mandates, the same type of uh, situation. So, I mean, this, these, our, our children, this is our future, this is our livelihood, our jobs, and everything like that. I think, you know, it's people need to, and I commend John for, for what he did. Yeah. It's, it takes a, a you know, a, a huge statistical uh, fortitude to, to, to pull something like that off and to have the uh, the convictions and your beliefs and, and to do that. And I tip my cap to you because, I mean, yeah, yeah like not everybody, um, you know, can stick to they don't put their money where their mouth is when it comes to their principles and, and the things that they believe in so yeah that's that's i, I really bad. i had no choice i mean i i was at a point where i knew i wasn't sending them in with masks on yeah um yeah. for medical reasons mm-hmm. um and and moral re- and and moral reasons yeah, yeah. well you know the, the medical reason was was a was the first thing where i said you know this isn't even an option mm-hmm. so you know when, when sitting there and saying, you know, to my kids, what do you want to do? I had to make the decision as a parent not to allow part of the choice to be detrimental to them. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so it's my preference to pull them out of school and to homeschool. That, anyway, like no mask mandate. Right. I don't want my kids in government schools. Um, but I also respect their choice and they, they want to have a normal high school experience. Mm-hmm. And so that's on the table as long as there's no masking and stuff like that. So it was actually their call to try to go to the school the first day without masks and try to get in. That wasn't my call. That was their call. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't, they don't really want to homeschool, but they also understand that there's, there's no more, you know, traditional high school experience that this has been, been ruined. Yeah. How much um, of their day is being spent like dealing with compliance and like, oh, make yeah. sure you're ha- like, Most hey, you, you don't have your thing up over your nose. Like, and we're talking about schools that were bad at the education thing before they were fully uh, involved with the COVID stuff. Yep. That's where we need to start having teachers also start to speak up, you know, yeah. saying how much of their day is just spent. Put your mask on, pull your mask up. You know, I actually had get, teachers reach out to me. Oh, great. Um, so a- after my stuff went out there, I had teachers from the district that my kids are in reach out to me and say, I just want, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about my union. You know, I don't, I can't speak out publicly because of my union, but I just want you to know I'm not going to be hassling kids about masks. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, and, and the, the sad thing about this is like, obviously a teacher, that's their career, right? They, they, they've done that. They've dedicated their entire life. Their education yeah. is focused on that. And they're in this situation. So they've got to make a determination. What, 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 what do I, how much risk can I absorb here? You know, what do they have to get in place before they can speak up? Because they know they're going to either lose their job or either be ostracized from their, you know, union or whatever, whatever it is. So there's, there's stuff that has to be thought about in those situations. So I'm not going to criticize anybody for not doing what they can do. Because it's tough, right? The government has put citizens in a really tough position, whether they're choose, they have to choose to provide for their family, uh, all, all these years of hard work of building something up of, of, you know, supporting their community and things like that. And they're left with that really, really tough choice at the end of the day. But what I will say is if, if anybody out there wants to reach out to us and let us know anonymously or, or, you know, I want to come on the show and and talk about their experience, you know, definitely reach out to us for for sure. Um, LibertyRI.com slash connect. Um, also something that I'd like to talk about just real quick and it's, it's in the work. So it's hopefully by the time that this goes out, there'll be at least something there that people can go and either sign up for a newsletter or like connect with us is, um, an initiative we talked about through uh, the Rhode Island Liberty Alliance is the, um, and the, and the mandates RI. So end the mandates, 
is what we're, we're trying. We're going, we're, we've just started discussing that this weekend. So, um, and there, and the, uh, mandates ri.com. Uh, if you go there, there'll at least be a sign up page so you can, you know, again, mass, we're, we're talking about civil disobedience, but we also have to come together. We have to find yeah. each other so we can work together. It's very hard. Like John is as great of a thing he's doing. He's just one man right at this point, one, one family that's doing this. Um, it, it's great for him to find other families so they can provide support to each other um, as they do it and then grow, you know, uh, and I know people have reached out to you. So th- there's people out there that are going to see it. And- That's a lot of people that have reached out that have said they were never political. Yeah. They fear speaking out. They're afraid of anybody that works for the government. They don't, yeah. you know, whether it's a superintendent and a lot of us were, were raised basically in terms of our educational lives in public schools where we were taught that the superintendent was an authority, you know, authority figure over us. And so some, some of these parents even that carry that into their adult lives Mm -hmm. where they don't, and I don't blame them for, for not wanting to put themselves. Listen, I didn't want to put myself in that situation, but I felt like I needed to. And I think that is really important because and I'll speak about one of my experience, a couple of my experiences in DC actually. So uh, as soon as I got off the plane, as soon as I was allowed to, when I crossed that, uh, federal threshold, right? I took my mask off, right? I went out, uh, I'm standing there. And then every other person outside, beautiful, gorgeous day there, every person wearing a mask. When one person does something or one, when you, it just takes one person, it just takes you doing that for your kids, getting that story out there. And then you, you see some people looking and they start slowly taking their mask off, right? Happened it's, at the post office the other day yeah. when I walked in without one. Yeah, it's just one of those things where when people see that, oh, whoa, wait, you're not supposed to do that. Joe Biden said, I'm going to kill people. But wait, it's more normal. That's why talking about liberty and, and different you know platforms, that's important. My, my other story I'll talk about real quick, and, and this is the, the polar side of it, right? So I was in an elevator uh, the whole time there. I didn't re- wear a mask. Um, no one gave me grief. There, there was a sign in the hotel, yeah, mask, whatever, whatever. But you know, when you get four or 500 libertarians together, um, <laughs> they, they don't enforce it. What, well, what do you that, know? That, I mean, it would be impossible to enforce, which I think is a microcosm of if, if we were to resist this stuff, what are they going to do? It doesn't have to be a majority resisting. It just has to get to that point where it's unenforceable. I, I know this woman's not going to listen to it. I'm going to shame the shit out of her on here. <laughs> so I had walked into uh, the elevator and there was a husband and wife. They were both wearing masks, right? Okay, whatever. Not a big deal. As soon as the door closes, this woman lets out the nastiest grunt at me. I was like, oh, okay. She literally slams the, the, the button for the next floor. And she's sitting there with her husband, right? She puts on a second mask. Oh, my God. Okay. She gets out on that floor, leaves her husband in there with all the luggage as we both exit on the same floor ah. together. She was so appalled and upset. And, and, and we've seen that. We saw that at the, the school committee meetings, right, where you've got people overreacting to something. It's of hysteria. Yeah, exactly. And, and unfortunately, you're, I think you're going to have those people anywhere. But I think, you know, just the things that we're doing, the things that you're doing for your family right there, that, that others can't, they might not either be in a position, maybe the, the risk tolerance isn't there. They, they're, they're, it, they just don't have the ability to do that, but they see that. And there are other ways that people can, you know, start to, you know, this mass non-compliance, right? Through, through peaceful, non, non-violent measures, we can, we can, we can resist a lot of this stuff. Yep. I, I, we've talked about this before and it's an, it's a, an analogy that I've always, um, talked about and there's a video that kind of backs it up um it's it's like the empty dance floor at the wedding right like you know there's nobody nobody wants to go on the dance until that one person steps out there and then the next person the next person and all of a sudden everybody's dancing right there's a video about a a, it's like a music festival there's some dude that's just dancing by himself in the field and before you know it like there's hundreds of people dancing right like it's it's ted talk how to start a movement that's right yeah yeah and it's based on that video right yeah so it's uh it's funny i've been saying that analogy for years and then someone did a ted talk on it uh, (laughs) and um, and if does hit the fan. I honestly don't want to be alone in the gulag, so I would appreciate yeah, well, some exactly. company. Well, exactly. At the very least, we'll you know, have some good conversations, some good jokes. You know? <laughs> I mean, what the hell? Make Avenge the most, me. <laughs> make like, the most of it, you know? <laughs> Red Dawn, remember? Avenge me. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know if we got much more else to uh, to cover here. No, I mean, I there's a we, lot to cover. We but. covered a lot. I think we we very well could get censored on Facebook and YouTube for this and <laughs> for the, other things. So I think, I think we, we said we, all we, the buzzwords. Yeah, I think we said all the buzzwords. Yeah. We'll get yeah. the the notification and the uh, the fact checking and everything. But all that good stuff. That's yeah. good though. That you know, means- I think I think one thing I want to leave folks with is is just to start thinking about these things. Right, as you see that they're 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 imposing more and more restrictions, you have to think why. When when Biden is telling the Department of Labor that if you're in a company of more than a hundred people, you got to get vaccinated or jump through a whole bunch of different hoops to be able to do this. If, if you're a, a federal employee or if you're associated with that in some way and they're forcing you to get uh, a vaccination, really really take a hard look and, and, and see what you can do to to, to not comply in the, in the best interest of your family. Again, John John's just one person, but you know, the, his story, him, you know, doing you know, what he should be doing in terms of a father, in, in terms of just being a person, seeing seeing something like that can be really, really powerful. So think think of things that you can do in your daily life to, 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 to send that message. To go live your life, man. Just live your regular life like like you used to before all this craziness It's happened. wild that you have to frame it like yeah, that. I know. It's, uh. Yeah, just before we got, like, you know, back during when things were, you know, new, I guess you'd say, you know, I have to have to go to run to Home Depot on Saturday morning to get, pro, you know, supplies for a project at the house, right? I'd go and I'd, like, I'd put my mask on just because I, like, I don't want to deal. I just want to get in here, get my, you know, nails and bolts and screws and whatever and get get out of here and go home. I, I, you know. But now I'm, I'm of the, I'm like, I don't care. No. <laughs> like I'll, yeah. uh, if they kick me out, I'll go to another, I'll go to Lowe's or they'll go to somewhere else or I'll just order on Amazon at this point. You and know, you know some, like, somebody else is in that store and they see you without a mask. Yeah. And, and like John said, uh, they, they, they take it off. I'm so they, done. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's yeah. But I, I think the, my, at least personally, my biggest takeaway is we've got to connect. We've got to yeah. get together and, and know who each other is. And, and we can do that a couple of ways, right? So um, a big one is just go to, you know, libertyri.com slash connect. It's all the links to all the social media, our contact form, all that kind of stuff. You can reach out to us. If you've got a story, just let, you know, these stories like, like John, let us know what's going on with you. And, um, and we can, you know, get you connected with other people that are in the same situation. Um also, Liberty, join us at libertyri.net. There's no censorship there. No. So you don't have to worry about getting blocked for, for fact-checked or, or anything. You say whatever you want. We don't care. Um, and we own that. So that's that's our our site. So libertyri.net. And then, of course, for the, the listening to the podcast, subscribe to us on Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all the major podcasters, uh, podcatchers. Um, and please don't forget to rate and leave a review if you, if you are, are so kind um, to let us know how we're doing. So. Yeah. And again, and again, send in, if you have any topics you want us to talk about, like, you know, stories about yourself, like Mike said, or any just uh, libertarian topics that you have a question for us and you want us to address, uh, let us know, because again, it help, makes our lives easier uh, to make sure that we're making that connection and we're hearing feedback from the audience and, and giving them content that they're interested in. So that'd be very helpful. Thank you. Sounds good. All right. You guys all set? Yeah, I think right, so. Man. I think we had a good time. Yeah. Hey, John. Thanks, thanks for, John. Yeah, thanks, thanks for joining. Us. Thanks yeah. for having me. It was great. Yeah. Anytime, man. Well, you're one of the founding uh, founding fathers of LibertyIRA.com. So, uh, if, yeah. if anybody wants to reach out to me on Facebook, uh, John Fantasy. Oh, cool. Um, same on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you can message me if you have any, um, you know, any anything that's that's happening in terms of the mask stuff or the vaccine, the healthcare worker vaccine stuff, um, and you want to reach out to me. I'm doing some work on that. So awesome. Best way to get a hold of me. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. Sounds good. I, I think, unfortunately, because you said the founding fathers, that's the one that's going to get this shut down. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. And, the, and the hospital capacity thing. Yeah. <laughs> Can't have that getting out there. No, that's it. Uh... All right, guys. Well, until next time, take care. See you next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Rhode Island Liberty Report. Be sure to check us out at libertyri.com.